2: Good afternoon, good evening, good very, very, very early in the morning if you are in Asia, Japan and China more specifically, where of course there uh, has been a lot of tennis going on in the last few days, trying to get our heads wrapped around tennis tournaments that are taking place in different parts of the world but also at different stages on both the WTA and ATP side is a little bit confusing and um, maybe also confusing for our audience is the length of both Damien and my beards. I don't know if this is any relation to the confusion and the time zones and Asia and all sorts of other things going on. I think Damien, you're you're slightly longer than mine, just looking at it right now, but we're also both in agreement that we're sort of two or three days away from the absolute limit where we're going to end up tearing skin off our face when we actually do end up shaving right
3: yeah absolutely I mean I'm going to a party on Sunday I don't think I would really have time or will to do it before <laughs> then but I think when I'm back from it it's probably when I'm gonna, yeah, I'll actually commit the act of shaving this. Uh, but you know, so far, um, I'm not really showing up that much at at uh, in, in public spaces, <laughs> only the shop, and you know, otherwise, I just watch tennis all day. Because as you and said, talking, we have different talking, regions and
2: talking tennis, Damien, is a public space. It's maybe not, um, we're not yeah. exposed to the world exactly, but we could.
3: I, I don't see these people, you know, and th- this makes it different. Like I'm, I'm not really afraid of how I look here.
2: Got it, Vanch is clean shaven as ever. Um, Vanch, how are you doing? You're also is muted. You as unmuted at the moment, Vanch. I don't know if that's me or. Um, Let me tell
3: see if I can... that we cannot oh, unmute ah, we him. Okay. Now
2: I hear you. Perfect.
4: Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it looks like the audio is, is working. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm still getting used to the whole time difference and the Asian swing and. The, women, the women's schedule being so different from the men's, where the men's is like Wednesday's through Tuesday and <laughs> women's is like your ordinary Monday through Sunday.
2: Nurlan is uh, feeling left out here. He's the only one who uh, feels like he should be here, but isn't. Nurlan, one day we'll get you one, but maybe we'll just need to try Twitter spaces first, um, just to see how that works out. Um, <laughs> Anyway, there has been, of course, a lot of tennis going on in various parts of Asia and uh, Astana. And I think Astana probably counts as Asia, does it? Um, yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, anyway, let's, uh, we might touch on Astana, but I do want to begin with Eager, particularly as I have the two hosts and co founders of the Eager and Carlos show. Both, of course, were in action today, but probably the biggest headline. Is it the biggest headline, Vonch, since the U.S. Open, uh, her loss today? Or am I getting a bit carried away by that?
4: Mm, I think you're probably right, actually. I can't really think of much uh, really off the top of my head. I mean, maybe Sakari winning Guadalajara probably is a bigger storyline than uh, than Eagles, I would say so at this point. Um, But Eagles losing yesterday... um, was a little bit of a surprise, but I guess then not really if you watched her play her first round um, against Kintama. That was the, uh, you could already see that she was definitely a little bit rusty. Definitely struggling with her timing from the baseline. Um, her returns and just uh, kind of spraying and playing. But at the, at, When she finished that match and ended up winning, I still thought okay, you know, we're going to see a bit of a level raise. She's particularly owned Kourmetova in the past for uh, uh, head-to-head I think going in and Kourmetova had only won four games in their last three matches. So you would have thought that this would have been, you know, more or less Ego getting back on track and trying to put some more wins on the board. But uh, it, it turned out that she, it really was not the case. I mean, she made like 50 unforced errors. There was uh, kind of, Damon and I touched on this as well uh, in our previous episode that when Shrantech is really struggling and the opponent is connecting and uh, able to you know, implement the right tactics, which is rush Iga and, you know, take, take control of the entire baseline tempo, then there's not much of a plan B that Shrantech really has right now, other than just mm-hmm. kind of hit the ball harder and just, uh, she essentially went into kind of a Sabalenka type mode, and I didn't feel like she gave herself enough margin and didn't make enough returns as well, which was maybe more more surprising because Sriantic generally breaks sort of more often than anyone on the WTA, and there was just... Uh, and Kutumitoba is to her credit, is one of the more underrated servers, I would say, on the WTA because she does have pretty good placement. Her ball toss pretty hard. Even that being said, I still felt like you didn't do a good job of... There were so many times in matches when, in the match when she was missing neutral rally balls and I didn't feel like she implemented a kind of the Coco Golf strategy of just looping a lot of forehands back into play and just making Kuremetova feel the pressure a bit bit. And- so that uh, she would be the first to miss, rather than the other way around, and so I, I felt like she was just beating herself up um, a lot. And I just didn't really see a whole lot of emotion either, like positive emotion, when she was getting ahead and when she did have the momentum. In the in the second set, the third set was a little strange because the one game that she got broken, she double faulted three times, and that's okay. just very un- unusual. So it was just overall a pretty bad day, I would say. Um, just maybe her, probably her worst match of of the season would you agree
3: with that damien yeah i mean it 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 has to be up there i think the one against hontama even though she won it is also up there so like the whole week she was just um yeah just find struggling to find her timing and tactically just blasting the ball whatever really happens you know, we were yeah. as you mentioned, we were talking about it on the most recent episode that we did, and um basically we were saying that at some point probably something has to change, some sort of you know, just ideas, variety, plan B, however you want to call it. Uh, but but yeah, coming out against Ostapenko at the US Open, of course, and just trying to hit harder than her, that did not work out. And then Shwiątek comes to Tokyo and does pretty much the same against a different opponent, okay. Uh, but like yeah, for me the, the the serve that you mentioned of Kudermetova, that's like the main thing that she does well. I think which, which is like play yeah. quick points on on her serve, not necessarily the serve itself, but I mean the the serve is also a big part. But like also the how she how she plays after her serve, the short rallies, the you know the one two punches, and um, yeah, definitely I was a bit stunned a few times when Svitolina just demolished her like this uh because as you said four games in the last three meetings the only one that was like remotely close was in 2020 and uh this year they've already played twice and both times Bukudermetova just didn't have a shot at all so I was even wondering whether to set up an alarm clock for this match you know I think it started mm-hmm. at like 6 30 a.m for me or something like that uh, I wasn't really sure if it if it makes sense, you know. I just assumed that maybe you know because of how Shifontek like played in the in the first round against Hontama, that it's not going to be uh, as easy as in the past. But also, it's a very different matchup, you know, against Kontama. She had all the control that she wanted, and here she actually had a rival who can fight back, but in the past did not. Uh, But in the end, I actually, you know, had that alarm clock and I watched watched it from start to finish. Uh, Definitely after the second set, you would think that Sviontek will have it. But suddenly, I mean, she loses a few games on return very easily. And there's some sort of uncertainty. And yeah, there's never, never any, any intention of changing anything up basically there's there's really nothing that she did in terms of i don't know maybe return position you know there were a few games in the third set where uh she was not making any returns basically i think there was like a long patch of what, whatever 15 points on on kudermetova's serve where maybe she made like three or four returns and yet there was even though you know we were coming to the end of the match there were a couple games only that kudermetova had to hold uh, I never really saw any uh, change in the game plan. And it, it felt weird to me. I wasn't really expecting that because I thought after the US Open, this is surely what they are going to focus on um, in order to, you know, just just maybe have some sort of a different idea plan B when it's not working out. This time it definitely wasn't. She was just ball bashing a la, I don't know, Yelena Ostapenko. Like, honest, honestly, watching this match, I felt like I was watching Yelena Ostapenko and sometimes it's it's great. Sometimes it's not. Um, obviously, that's not the most reliable strategy either. Um, Keen says that Kudermetova at the US Open was dreadful. Yeah, generally going into this event, she was she was quite dreadful. So uh, I think she did well still to like um, forget about the past losses to Świątek, come out for a completely new match against an opponent who was way, way, way off her best on the day. And uh, yeah, she she managed to get that win, which is surely very important for her mentally. Uh, John, you are muted.
2: I'm off mute now. I know Vanchis had one or two issues uh, hearing you, Damien, but I heard you loud and clear. Uh, so Vanchis is going to log out and then log back in. Um, on this sort of plan B, though, I mean, it hasn't been a problem for two years, three years, 18 months, whatever time frame you wish to to select regarding her. Let's go for 18 months since, since reaching number one. It, it hasn't been a thing
3: for 18 months. So why is it a thing now? um i i got distracted when i when i was reading newland's comments actually and (laughs) um like like the the variety in my opinion does it does not have to be variety in a traditional sense like it does not have to be i don't know a drop shot a slice or whatever I think it just sort of needs to be maybe a different approach where you're not just trying to overpower your opponent. You just sort of try to rally maybe. You are one of the fastest players on tour as well. You are one of the, well, the best slider on tour uh, defensively, 100%. So, yeah, maybe just not um not try to overpower the opponent every time if it's especially when it's not clicking when you don't have the baseline timing that you usually have, which she didn't. they're all in Tokyo, and yeah, serving as well, of course that that's that that would be uh, that would be quite key and her drop shot used to be really good, although primarily on clay, but I think that's also something that could be invested in in the future as well, so that that's basically what I meant um and uh John, what was your question?
2: um just basically
3: (laughs) how i mean it's kind of
2: similar uh you you and i'll tell you how you addressed it and then i'll i'll repeat the question as well you kind of did address it in that it's not just a plan b it's also just don't resort to just whacking the ball like she did today you know the drop shot is a it's a drop shot is not a plan b in the same way that a serve and volley is a plan b or attack the net is a plan b but it is a an option um and that was basically my my question in a way was that Why is now the lack of a plan B, if that is the case, an issue, whereas she's managed to do pretty well for 18 months, potentially?
3: That's a a good question, yeah. And I guess it's just that the rivals stepped up, right? I mean, in 2022, there was no one who could really tackle her when she was playing like that. And right now they can. So at some point you need to adapt. And so far we haven't really seen that adjustment. I guess at the beginning of the year, we've seen that improvement in her serve. It's not fully fleshed out, but, you know, there were some steps undertaken there for sure. Uh, but yeah, the, this event, especially, it, it just wasn't great at all. Keen, that's a really good question, by the way, in the live chat. Damien and I sort of touched
2: on that topic, I guess, in a, in a show we did about Wimbledon 10 months ago. And the, the the Wimbledon point ban and the ramifications of that. We certainly covered a lot about the, the ramifications of the, the war in Ukraine in that episode. Um, and I'm probably more than likely to touch on it again. But I, right now, I am going to focus on the the, the tennis on the court uh, uh, rather than uh, side issues such as that, uh, as significant though it is. Vanch, um, I spoke to Iga, um, funnily enough, just after her win over Kudometova in uh, Madrid. Uh, it was like about one or two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. It was one of those matches where she was a bit unhappy about having to play so late, and she mentioned it, I think, at some point as well uh, shortly afterwards. But she was very kind enough to speak to the media for a few minutes. Now that night, of course, was very different in that she. It was one of the matches that Damien touched upon, where she just crushed Kudimetova, and she even, very politely, did basically say, "Look." her movement on clay is not great. Maybe she even said something a bit stronger than that. I mean, but but very, as politely as she possibly could, I think she won two and one. I'm not sure if that's the exact score, but um, it was a very comfortable win anyway with, with just a couple of games dropped. So what about Kudometeva? Was was she pulling up trees? Was she doing an amazing job, would you say, today?
4: Well, I think she definitely realised that Shantek doesn't have her, her a game and she just had to stay... Strong in the rallies. I, I like David was saying she was doing a job on the first shot after the serve, but also just getting a lot of free points in the third set, which really helped her out. She was serving incredibly well in the in the third set. That was maybe one of her best serving performances, if you like, because she was just getting a lot of unreturned serves, um, and uh, so so that that definitely helped her confidence. I I think she has a pretty great backhand when she steps into it and when she has. Um, time and she deals with the shorter balls a little bit better, and she was able to also rush the and put her on the back foot a few times, especially in the um, in the first set. And I I, I feel like you know Shikantek definitely gave Kudromatova a lot of chances in this match, like to just feel that confident and just uh, I think also in Madrid, also she played those two really long matches against Kazakina and Pagola, which definitely took something out of her, even mm-hmm. before stepping on that. Court. And this time, I think it's a it's a different kind of an ego where the rivals have stepped up, and you're going to see more players kind of in that five through twenty range that ego would have dominated in the past. Maybe just believe a lot more now because you know uh, the rest of the like she has, she was seven and zero against Goff, and then you know I'm not saying Kuznetsova is going to go on and do what Goff did, but it's just it's a mental belief kind of thing in the in the locker room where I think more. More players in the top twenty certainly believe that they can beat her, especially on a hard court. Where um, you know at least uh, at least on the clay, like she can just kind of rely on her athleticism. Maybe a bit more. She's just more comfortable defending overall. But I just feel like that's that's one thing we have to critique. Eva for. she didn't really utilize that. That's one of her biggest strengths. And she, you know top two mover on the WTA tour and best sliding backhand and best um, just overall athleticism skills. So yeah. Needed to utilize that a bit better and make Kudermetova earn it more. I
3: felt like, and she used to do that a bit, right? Like even in I don't know the end of 2022, there, there were uh, maybe let's say Garcia at the WTA finals. Like that's a match she just won by making her play a lot of balls. So it's not no. impossible. Um, she wasn't trying to overpower Garcia there, uh, but I don't know. Maybe maybe she just doesn't feel like Kudermetova is that much of a threat, which. Kind of, she isn't, but well, definitely didn't work out here.
2: I'm just thinking now, just quickly writing down uh, the last tournament I think Eager won was actually in front of your eyes, Damien, in Warsaw, if, if I'm yeah. right.
3: Number 15, um, yes.
2: Yeah. So now that's not a huge amount of time again ago for most professional tennis players. In fact, if I don't think probably Sabalenka's won one in that period of time, for example. But you then throw in Wimbledon, I guess, where we might not expect her to do much anyway. In fact, she didn't win the previous tournament. Like, I think she pulled out sick, didn't she, in in the tournament in Germany, in the build-up to Wimbledon. Um, And then so we go back to the French Open. So since the French Open, it's been uh, a, a mixed, I guess, at best, and, and maybe even slightly disappointing. And more specifically, if we look at the... When you mentioned that Goff situation, uh, I think it was you, Vance, just mentioned the... The, 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 the you're not predicting a golf scenario. I then remembered. Okay, she yes she lost a golf in Cincinnati. I think it was Pagula in Canada, um, and it was uh, Ostapenko, of course. So we we've kind of got four very different players with four very different narratives when it comes up against Eager those defeats. So we've got Pagula who has been known particularly on a fast hard court to have um eager's number as she did at the beginning of the year in Australia in the in the United Cup and then obviously more recently uh in Canada although I'm not sure how quick those courts are in Canada but you you catch my drift um then it becomes Goff and it's Goff like oh maybe she's turning the tide I know it's only one match but we all went into the US Open thinking yeah okay maybe Goff is going to have a good run here and of course she goes on to win the tournament uh Ostapenko repeats the trick rather than breaking the trend like Goff and metaverse So four de- very different results. My my question in the in the title, Vonch, was, is it time to panic? Well, I guess it's not quite panic stations, but there is cause for concern regarding Iga, right, Vonch?
4: Yeah, I think it's just cause for concern that the rest of the field has stepped up. And so now she just has to respond, just, you know, adapt. And I think some of those changes that we're talking about in introducing the variety and improving improving the serve. I mean, I was there in Cincinnati and was already kind of working rigorously every day, practicing, trying to improve those things. I just don't think she has the confidence right now to execute it in matches and big moments. So maybe it's something hopefully with the with the off season, maybe she's just really spent after a really long year. I mean I mean it, it, that that could also be it. Uh just you know a lot of matches, long long season. It might be some some of it might be down to that because she was just more flat than I've ever, ever seen her. Plus it could also just be, you know, this could be a busting in disguise in that she has more time to get to Beijing practice. She does uh have an early round already because she did not get a bye. Like they only gave four they only gave performance buys. Um unlike and, and here where there were two buys at least to the top two seeds. So uh, and it, it was a while since she last played uh at at the U.S. Open, because she lost at the end of the first week or started the second week, but so could could also just be rustiness. Um, but but I do think no, I, I don't think it's time to because I still think her base level is still pretty high that you know she can yeah. still maybe even contend for a year and number one depending on how Sabalenka does. Although that's you know it's probably more going, likely going to go in Sabalenka's favor this time, but.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I mean, I, I guess one of the the sort of three or four uh, big ones on the on the women's tour. You know, Vabacna, Sabalenka, um, striontek and, and we can throw Goff in there. And I guess to some extent, in terms of being a big name right now, having I won mean, a one of the U.S. Open, one of those will probably go on to win the WTA Finals, and that will be in a way, although that won't necessarily dictate who ends year-end number one, it may well dictate who's kind of had the best year, actually, in a way. If you win one slam and then the WTA finals, you'll probably have one over your rivals. And therefore, if she was to go on to win that, then that would 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 very much put a nice end to her year. So, yeah, probably a little bit early to p- press the panic button. Uh, let's talk about the other three semi-finalists, Damien. Um we will come to uh, somebody who Keen is suggesting you should be supporting shortly. but let's touch on Maria Sachary. I think she has to be next on the list of, of topics because I didn't see if I, if I didn't see her winning in in, um, in Mexico, uh, I, I actually probably had even less optimism regarding her backing it up as she has done and, and very impressively, it was one of the few matches that I was able to tune into. Uh, against Garcia today, um, I, I, I'm just kind of surprised by it. Um, am I stupid for being surprised, or should I have expected her to to win her first 1,000 and also back it up? Particularly regarding the field, I guess in Mexico, but possibly because of the field, I thought, and also the traveling, all the rest of it, and knowing how these things happen, we've seen even this year I've seen people win 1,000s and then go out early at the next tournament. Uh, never mind if it's on a different continent um but here she is again and she's in another semi final and in a way given the given the players that she'll have to go through this could be even more imp- impressive than winning that 1000 in Mexico
3: oh yeah i mean uh, i think it would be uh, it's it just four matches compared to five but still um i know people like to like throw around this stat that uh, her average the, the the average ranking of her opponents in Guadalajara was 103 I think it's a little misleading. You know, there were a few uh, like really lower down uh, players that were really lower down. But at the same time, Georgie Garcia, like these are uh, definitely competitors who should be good at altitude, uh, should be threats. And yet she just completely dismantled them as she does every time to Camila Giorgi, apparently. And that she's also doing well, not every time, but at least twice in the last two weeks against Karin Garcia uh so um yeah I think just getting Dolhide in the final in the Guadalajara um in, yeah in the Guadalajara final I think that's something that she needed to do especially with how much she's been talking about this and like you know the, the mm-hmm. mental block of having so many lost semifinals finals the fact that she only had one WTA title still what, what was it like Casablanca rabat one of these right mm-hmm. or, or rabat I think 2019, yes, one that's... of these one yeah. one of these ones in Morocco uh I I, I remember uh, just before she played Dolhide and like when I had a final I I told this to my dad that um I mean Sakari is playing against Dolhide, so it's not like really interesting but she's playing for just her second WTA t- title mm-hmm. and he goes like what she, she only has one mm-hmm. and uh you know he's like a more casual tennis fan but that's that I think that really um you know shows what sort of my uh, you know how we uh, we and even casual tennis fans thought of sakari and it's not really um surprising because well she has like a crazy con- uh, consecutive top 10 weeks streak right she's been in the top 100 for like 100 weeks or something like that and it's in the top 10 of course not the 100 in mm-hmm. the top 10 for, to- for 100 weeks and yet just having one title clearly a big mental obstacle for her and just having cleared that, apparently she's been able to use that confidence to to go to Tokyo and keep doing the same. Uh, on a, on the stream that I did for Davidovich Fokina, I remember um, Nurlan picked Pegula to win Tokyo. I, I picked Sakari. I'm still hopeful. Uh, I you know she's still in the event. She crashed Garcia again. I think it's it's you know let's be honest. It's kind of likely that the winner of Sakari Pegula goes on to take the title. The conditions should suit them both. Uh, Pegula, especially maybe, but Sakaria yeah, with so much confidence. And and as you said, it, it could go both ways. But clearly, she has been able to use it in a in a good way.
2: Yeah, I, I think I've got something to add as well to that that win that she had in in Mexico. Is that I didn't really look. I think the problem is is that people were looking at it through the prism of it being a thousand points. Whereas I think if you just look at it as a, as a title. You know, and it could be significant in a way, very different reasons. But when Rafa won that two fifty in Melbourne just before the Australian Open, I thought, okay, that's that's something, something to to build on. And then, you know, he hadn't played much in the previous sort of eight nine months, um, and 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 just very different reasons. But I I, I didn't, from my point of view as a, as a tennis fan. I don't really care if it's a 250 or 500 or 1,000, you know, you could stick 250 points on that and it would still be us going, well, it's a significant week for Maria Sakkari. It's, it's been a good one. And when you throw in the fact that there were some top 20 players in the draw, that's not her fault that they get knocked out. And, and in a way, you know, playing a top 20 player out of form, i.e. a Caroline Garcia... Or playing a, a Dola Hyder or however you say her name in the in the final in in, in Mexico, and the, the pressure with with that in Guadalajara um, would have would have you know would have been significant. So I, 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 I don't, I'm not as down on it as, as some people are, and, and and you could just see how happy she was, and I'm, I'm really pleased that she has backed up. I mean, Damien, you've tipped her for the title. I see where Nerland is coming from though with Bagula. Um, I probably am just uh, on on her side, if you like, in terms of likelihood of winning but um how do you see that match turning oh actually no before you address that question vonch i actually want to say was there anything you saw in san diego that suggested that maria saku was going to go on and win nine matches in a row i think she's on right now
4: actually it's funny that you ask that because with the benefit of hindsight i do remember the first press conference that i was at you know pre-tournament when she'd already played and she said you know her goal was just to be happy and at yeah. first i was like hmm. i mean it's easy to say but then I, I noticed in San Diego, you know, she didn't have a team with her. She was all by herself. And mm. she just was kind of using that as a way to get back on on the match court. Obviously she she was in tears. In some ways that was her rock bottom losing in the first round to Massarova at the US Open. Just because, mm-hmm. you know, she said that she got a lot of support from fellow players and just reaching out to her because she thought she was going to end her season and just take a break. Because she just didn't feel like, you know, her mental health wasn't a good place to compete so from that standpoint i think and i actually wasn't too discouraged by her loss to uh emma navarro in the quarterfinal because i felt like you know she won the second set six love and she played a pretty good match overall she just didn't start the start the third set tiebreak in the right way but i felt like kind of indicated that like okay like she's she's back like she can contend for this for this, and when I saw the field next week and I saw that a bunch of the names were pulling out, I still felt like, okay, like, you know, if she can put herself in a semis and final again, maybe there's a chance this time. And I was just impressed by how she was able to roll Caroline Garcia in that semi because, you know, it's not like Garcia, that was one of her better weeks of the of the season, actually. Like, you know, she she could have lost before that, certainly. And it was like kind of a close match for like six games and then Sakae just like ran, ran away with it. And then, obviously, you know, winning the semifinal was big, but then I think also the final... To be honest, I, I don't think this is, like, some huge thing that now all of a sudden, soccer is going to go on and win slams or something. It, it's more like a roomba situation in Monte Carlo, where like things did, like, kind of break right for her, and, you know, maybe she can do it again. Maybe she can put another 1,000. Maybe she even backs it up this week and, and wins all those matches against Fugula. It's, like, 3-3 three and three since the start of 2022, and they keep splitting. Like, they played in Doha, and it was the Siamese over 500. They played this Near in Washington and then Sakari gets her back and you know if she can get two in a row I think she leaves that head to head five three overall and so like they've always had pretty pretty close matches and then Zachary has a good record I think against most top 10 players in general so it's it's more about that clearing that semi-final final hurdle no matter who it was because we literally I mean we saw her one year ago she lost to Mayar Sharif in Parma so uh, you know, it wasn't like I, I was confident that she was gonna win in Doha, win the final against doha high, but at the same time, I was like, I'm not really sure. Like, you know, she still has to pass the test because, you know, there was a slight worry as in that first set when she lost those three games in a row after being four two up, and then
2: yeah, uh, in Guadalajara, yeah.
4: happy for her, and yeah, it's just it's, it's good to see it kind of <sighs> because obviously years of like perseverance and resilience.
3: I by the way guys, I, I would I, no I didn't want to address this comment, which is basically just uh, it's Friday night, you should um, drink a beer, uh, in Polish. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the question that I wanted I get to beaver. address. I see was, yeah, yeah the, the question I wanted to address was yeah. which Greek is more likely to win a slam? Steph or mm. Maria, which is quite interesting. And Keen says yeah. that it's not close and that Maria has a much bigger chance. And one thing that I that I have to sort of question, would you have said the same before Guadalajara?
2: My opinion well, hasn't yeah. ch- changed much. I'm still gonna go Steph amongst the two, but I don't yeah, have a lot I of confidence, confidence in the- either, but go I on, Van. I don't have
4: a lot of confidence in either. I'm probably still gonna say Steph too, just because like it's been two years since like Sakari has been that fourth round of a. The- with so I kind of need to see her doing them
3: before I can be like, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's possible. But you know, you know, on which team I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do know, but it's it's more because of Steph than Maria, right? Yeah, I think so, and also because of the fact that it's simply more unpredictable on the women's side. You've got seven, seven matches, but mm-hmm. best of three, and WTA one thousands are, you know, sort of slams. Uh, in yeah. a way, so so yeah, probably because of that, and also, um, yeah, it, it, Guadalajara probably did sort of change my mind there. Like, definitely improved Maria's chances of getting a title at any level. Basically, I, I mean, I I like that. What Vonch that actually
2: something I suggested to to Nick and Miles earlier this week was just how. If she can just be a regular winner you know winning titles like andre rublev that was the example french said and it's exactly the same example i gave to those guys on on sunday night i think it was um the if she just can start winning matches and titles and having slam runs and and if if it if it doesn't you know win a medal for greece for example at the olympics if it doesn't go beyond that i think it'll just about be fine you know and she'll she's enjoying her tennis along the way then that would be amazing too because i don't think she's enjoyed lots of the last couple of years even when she was winning tennis matches and getting to semi finals i think she found those semi final defeats in in 2021 really tough um Vonch, there are two other players uh or one other player i think we probably haven't touched on or i guess we kind of did uh but pagula is obviously on the other side of the net um any any thoughts on her and and, and her chances and basically her end of year if you like
4: Um, well, I mean, she also hasn't won a 500 double title. So I guess this would be like a first for her if she were able to get past Sakari, but I mean, like Sakari match is going to be interesting. I don't really know who's going to win. It seems very kind of even 50-50. It's it's kind of a coin flip because it seems like, you know, all their matches pretty much go the distance with the exception of the Guadalajara final last year, uh, so if she if she does win that, you would think she's the favorite. Um, and and then uh, Pavlyuchenko is kind of an interesting wrinkle in the whole thing. I mean, she's uh, you know she got to the quarters with the French, but like she hasn't done that much of note since. So this is a like pretty good week for her. But oh, <laughs> I'm just reading the comments. No,
2: it's funny. <laughs>
3: but. <laughs> We love it. I good mean good left-field yeah. <laughs> left comments from Nerland. I definitely have a crush on her game, but uh, in general, I don't know. Yeah. Damien, I, if she was in
2: a bar in Bonn, uh, I, <laughs> I think you'd have a chat. And I think you'd,
3: uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that says a lot. That says a lot. Because me to have a chat with a girl.
2: Yeah, uh, but I, I could <laughs> facilitate that don't, uh, quite easily. <laughs> um talk about your i'll quickly do a google to find out where exactly in china she's from and then i'll mention that that region is your favorite for food and then um well then i'll just watch and sit back and see how it pans out anyway uh oh, we just like, one slight...
4: thing on tabula, just oh, because God. you 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 did ask <laughs> so i was gonna i was gonna mention the the indoor swing because i felt like uh i guess this would tell us like how good tabula really is indoors because like, three of her four losses this year in slams, like, when the roof closed, she was really not comfortable in those conditions. And last year, she did go 0-3, although she was pretty exhausted. So I wonder this time around, you know, with conditions maybe being more ideal, like, oh, she performs in the year and I, I think the year finals could be pretty big for her, just maybe more than other players psychologically. If she wins that title, maybe that gives her a risk to go on and get to a semi for the first time.
2: Pavliachenkova is a is a is a an all or nothing player in the last sort of seven months, six months probably, um, in that there was when she sort of first rejoined the tour after most about a year, I think, off the tour. I think she was losing some matches quite badly. Uh, she then got a win, I think. I think I met her actually just after her first uh win on the tour for a year or so. Uh and actually I said something to her which she just was like I said, you know. I think she, I called her run in Paris in 2021, you know, a, a surprise or something like that to the final, and uh, she said it wasn't a surprise to me. And I was like, okay, sorry. Um, but she, she, she does surprise me. I mean, th- this tournament, but but more specifically, I didn't see that French Open run coming this year in 2023 to the quarters. I think it was. I she was going toe to toe with. Um, in New York, she was going toe to toe with um, Yes, That could I don't know. have gone either way, and it was a it was a really good match, and that level, I again probably surprised me a little bit on a, on a hard court in particular. Um, but here we are; she's in the semifinal, and um, she has a chance against meteva a big chance, I would suggest—to to make the final two. Any final comments on on this tournament in Tokyo, Damien? Any any storylines that I've missed?
3: Oh no, probably not. I mean, we've been talking about this for thirty-seven minutes, uh, or yeah. or something like that. So I think we can uh, go to the the other ones. Yeah, <laughs> so... apparently I also have a crush on Shevchenko. So yeah, <laughs> I'm <mean, just laughs> can't wait to start talking about him. Although he lost, so we'll, we're probably not going to be talking about him.
2: Over uh, in uh, Ningbo, uh, which I believe. Um, not, I believe, uh, I know, on uh, Chabot is in the final because I saw um, parts of her match uh, today against Pororoska. In fact, I say parts, of the third set, basically. Uh, I saw against Pororoska where um, they were on serve, but Shabur had a break point at the beginning of the third set. I think the commentator that I, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Barry Cowan, but apologies if it wasn't, so, uh, so posited the question as who's the favourite at this point, And I thought it's still clearly Shabur and Shabur got an early break point didn't take it Um, but then the next I think then Podoroska played a couple of very loose service games to end up losing 6-2 so Shabur is into the final Though perhaps another storyline from Shabur is the fact that again there did seem to be one or two physical issues I think there was a few limps around the court at certain points so uh, fingers crossed uh, she can remain healthy for her final against uh, Schneider. Um, Vaughn, any thoughts on, on Jabir or this tournament um, in Ningbo?
4: What I would say is that it just looks better watching her on court just visually. I feel like she's you know, Like, compared to Guadalajara, where she was struggling physically, you we know, probably should have put that match away in two. But then, you know, when things got very really physical, it was kind of just tough, tough to watch her struggle like that because you associate good vibes and happiness generally with arms. Uh, and since Wimbledon, like it hasn't really been that way. Like she was sick all throughout the U.S. Open. Probably pretty impressive actually that she even got to the fourth round, you know, considering you know she could have lost any of those yeah. first where those were going. Uh, and then same with the match that I saw in Sydney. So, like this is this could be a positive week. Like if she wins the title, I will say that she struggled a little bit late against lefties. So I'm I'm interested to see this final against Slater because. Like, you know, she's last last Travis Trevisan. Then she lost to Vandoseva three times. She's lost to Hadan Maya. Also. These are all kind of lefties who make her create on her backhand. So I kind of wonder um, if, like, tactically, you know, we might see some of those issues reappear again. But, you know, hopefully, like, I think this is a good opportunity for her to win her first hardcore title. So that would be something that, you know, is, a, is positive. She, obviously, she did get to the US Open final, but generally, we think of her more as a natural surface player. So, uh, I guess it would also help her chances of, of winning. Like, this would also help her chances of securing that eighth spot because now soccer is getting off the coast in that race. So, uh, I, you know, I was I, I honestly thought she was going to take a break this week and wasn't even going to play it, but um, she kind of entered last minute into Ningbo. So, yeah, will go. be will be good, but I would say only if she wins the title because yeah. anything less would
2: kind of yeah. You know, yeah, particularly public as, as she's paying Schneider in the in the final. No disrespect to her, but Ons should be the favourite there. Um, let's switch over to the ATP side of things. This is kind of a, a sort of a midweek roundup, believe it or not. Although it's a Friday, um, they are now just entering the round of sixteen. Uh, I'm going to begin, uh, Damien, by talking about Alexander Zverev, because actually since ATP Weekly occurred, which I believe was on Monday uh, in the wake of the Labour Cup, uh, this there was a particular tournament that Zverev was involved in and he ended up going on to lift that title. And then today he was involved in a far more dramatic match than I anticipated against Schwarzman. Schwartzman was up a break, I think, in the first set. Um, he ended up pegging him back to a tie-break. And then you're thinking, OK, well, Zverev has got this now and we'll go on. But actually, Schwartzman managed to, to snag or snare the tie-break and uh, actually managed to make that a very um, interesting match. Of course, Zverev as well, Damien, is in a sort of race, if you like, to get to Turin, of which he's probably the favourite right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think he has a wonderful chance of getting to Turin. I have to say that the last couple of weeks, you know, he's been struggling, but winning mostly. Um, I don't know if that's impressive or not. You could definitely look at it both ways. You know, another tough match against, um, well, not, not against Dimitrov. I guess it was a straight setter, but it was still pretty tough. But otherwise, he's just dropping sets left and right. Dukesmanovic, Kotov, Schwartzman and yes, yeah, Safurin. So um, I, I still think that, you know, he's getting some very valuable points. Uh, I remember someone on Twitter, uh, maybe it was Morgado, saying after, after he won um, Chengdu that Zverev is, like, you now very significantly into the, um, you know, into the Turin sort of qualification zone, which isn't really true. Like, he's currently about 260 points ahead of Fritz. But, you know, keep uh, if he continues going in, in Beijing, that would be huge. I'm not sure he will because, yeah, like the past couple of weeks, I don't think he's playing as well as he was in Cincinnati and the US Open. He's going to have to face Davidovich Fokina, which sounds like a very spicy matchup right now, especially with, you know, having, um, like, remembering the most recent ma- meeting that they had. Which was Davidovich-Fokina just giving him just three games, and then of course Zverev goes on to uh, reach the semis in Cincinnati and also reach the uh, quarterfinals at the US Open. But I, I definitely have said a few times on on these shows um, in the past couple of months that I, I do think that he is very likely to get to Turin, um, definitely more likely than Fritz. Rune, will see about the we'll see about the, um, we'll see about the uh, injuries and physical uh, stuff. But for now, I think Zverev would improve the quality of the touring field unless someone else at the end of the year, I don't know, Taylor Fritz, Kasper Ruud massively steps up. Uh, but But for now, I would say he definitely deserves to be in there.
1: 18
2: plus. Vonch, I'm not sure if you know you use the word doldrums in in California. Do you know that word doldrums to be in the doldrums? Okay, mm-hmm. just uh, just checking. I'm I, I'm pretty familiar that we're we're pretty much speaking the same language. But you never know words like doldrums. I don't know if it's a British English word or not. The reason why I'm using that word is because you mentioned uh, Holger Runa there, Damien. And um, I looked at the match between Holger Runa and uh, Felix today as a match of two players in the doldrums, but for very different reasons and for very different lengths of time. For me, Felix has really been in the doldrums since the ATP finals last year. Um, Runa, I would say, since Rome, for me. The final in Rome would have been a disappointment for him. I think he had his chances against Medvedev, uh, and he'd had a great run to get to that final, uh, Skittling's Kasper and before that Djokovic. And really, since then, I know he had a decent Wimbledon. That's the last time he won a match, by the way. Um, but still, the defeat to Carlos was probably a lot more comfortable than he would have liked. And and yet, they had this match today, and I thought it would be close. And I don't know if it was really in the end. And and that now it's Felix who's continuing to be in the doldrums, and, and Runa, I think there's reasons for optimism for Runas. If he can stay healthy, we're now in his zone, if you like, as we come towards the European indoor season?
4: Yeah, uh, there was a lot going on with, with Ruta in those five matches that he lost. He just didn't look right to me at all in any of them. Right? He was struggling with a big back problem and you know yeah. they were just trying to take painkillers and just play play through it, but it was very obvious when he lost to Carbas Baena, and even in uh, 50 when he was losing those matches, I think he lost to Giron and Canada and McDonald didn't even finish against, mm-hmm. he was finishing against McDonald's in 50. So I knew something was definitely going on there. I was surprised that he, he was able to turn that around and just get some kind of a cortisone injection in his back and just play within one week. But honestly, he looked pretty healthy like, in that match against Felix. And he looked, you know, more or less kind of back to where he was. He said he's been struggling with his pieces quite a season. He did still kind of get, he, he managed to get to the quarters of girls and orders of Wimbledon, so I don't, I don't, I don't really think it's like been a disappointing year. Like I actually think it's fairly up to, like I think in the beginning of the year I thought he would finish somewhere around eight or nine, like in mm. the world, because I didn't think it was going to be reasonable to just go, you know, win everything after Paris last year. So, uh, but like I, I, his draw this week, I mean, he's playing Dimitrov again, which is like the last kind of convincing win that he has had, so that would that would be kind of interesting because Dimitrov himself came back from two six one five down yesterday. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. I and mean, that's that's kind of crazy, right, Vansh?
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, that's uh that's uh, Damian. You, uh, I don't know if you can think of many examples that were that similar to the Dimitrov turnaround. I mean, I guess R- immediately
4: <laughs> I just I thought of a Sabalenka bad. against Kanepi. Go on, go on so I thought of Sabalenka against Kanepi at the <laughs> U.S. Open. Yeah. yeah. Second yeah. round last year, That's immediately what came to my mind. But that's she also impressive. faced match points.
2: She also faced match points as well. and had a net cord go in her favour, I think, on one of them.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's another what-if. If she loses that match, does she go on and win the Australian Open?
2: I agree. I agree. Does she have the, the, the year that she's had this year? I, I agree. I, I look at that tournament, but even more specifically, that match is a, is a big turning point because she gets the semi-finals. You know, she was close to being eager. Anyway, uh, Damien, uh, any thoughts on the Dimitrov crazy comeback?
3: Um, you know, because of that, I sort of feel like Kuruna is probably going to be a favorite against him. Um, you know, Dimitrov was led back into the match by McDonald, which has not happened for the first time this year, for sure. Um, you know, especially the semi that here against Franz Elundor, right, in Eastbourne. That was maybe even an even worse example in a way because yeah. it wasn't grass and it's easier to um, to just drive the match towards the end. But uh, but yeah, uh, I, I thought Rune was definitely very impressive today and looked healthy for a change, which is basically all that matters right now with him, it seems. Yeah. And um, I wanted to touch on something, but now I don't remember. Oh, actually about Felix. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but he has not signed up for Either of Basel or Vienna. Which is super weird. I mean, Mm. he he literally won Basel last year. And after Shanghai, he wants to play the ATP 500 in Tokyo. But like, provided he doesn't go very deep here, which currently looks a little unlikely, then he's going to have a lot of time to get to Basel or Vienna. Maybe there's still a chance that they're going to give him a wild card in Basel. I think it's possible with the fact that he was the champion last year. But uh, yeah, that's this. This just sort of screams. I don't. I don't know even. I don't even know what. Because for one thing, you know, he could have just missed the sign up. Like it's possible, even at this level, this could happen. Although you know, he probably has a manager who takes care of that. But um, provided it's like the other case, I, I think it sort of shows that he's confused. I guess. I think you there know, is that... another
2: possibility. There isn't. An mm-hmm. it's, it's a. It's only a small possibility. Is there a lingering physical issue? And you'll say, well, why is he signed up for the next tournament in Asia? But if it's a lingering physical issue that needs an operation, potentially.
3: Oh, okay. If he had something lined up, yeah, that would exclude him from playing it's that week. Okay. Possible. Um. Yeah, you're right. It, it could he be. He has been uh, having
4: knee issues on and off since Miami.
3: Yeah, I I, I have no clue yeah. what he's going to, what, what he's redoing. And, and I already said it about yeah. liver Cup, but Honestly if I was feeding Sasha Yassim, I would miss Lever Cup play Cheng or Zhuhai you know you, you want to get that yeah. form back and you're not going to get it back playing Holger Rune in the opening round of a Beijing ATP 500 uh, obviously no. it was a possibility that it was a possibility that he wins it because well Rune could have been ailing himself but yeah I, ju- I just feel like this was not really a good decision to to sort of play you know a more of an exhibition like format just uh, you know, start start competing in the in the smaller events a little bit. But I don't know. Maybe Felix is just at this stage where he sort of tri- treats this year as ruined anyway, and he's sort of just driving, you know, just going oh, yeah. towards the end. And you know, let's restart in the next season. Which I kind of get. You know, he's getting so he's um, defending so many points. But yeah, maybe we'll learn why he isn't on the entry list for either Basel or Vienna. But that that was very shocking to me.
2: Yeah, good point. Uh, just having a quick look down this this list of, of round of 16 matches, Alcaraz, of course, was in action earlier today, winning in straight sets over Hanfman. I only saw the highlights, vanch, but um, one thing that did strike me, at least from the highlights, was that um, the forehand was working. And I know it's something that Gil Gross, among others, uh, suggested wasn't working so well during the North American swing. Um, but then maybe my, my highlights deceived me and the forehand wasn't as amazing, but it, there were some nice winners, including, I think, the break of serve that got him at the first set. Um, uh, any thoughts on the Alcaraz level today or in general?
4: We had a few breakpoint yips at the start of the match, but, I mean, once he broke at 4 all, I think he was, he was fine right like, after that. Yeah. Uh, but obviously the test will get bigger. I mean, his section of the draw is pretty good with Fetty beat Hatchinov today, but that's kind of a matchup that I think is going to be favorable for him most of the time, for the twice, and also Hatchinov coming off the title. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rude on. Oh. Oh,
3: sorry, go on launch.
4: Yeah, so so I would, uh, I, I think we really know where he's at, if he faces one of Runa or Sinner in Musetti. Yeah,
3: and Rude very seems easier than Musetti, probably, so... So I would say yeah. if he gets through the f- second round, he he should be in the semis, really. It's realistically, and it's it's still like not the most, I guess, important part of the season at this point for him. But yeah, he he I mean, is there he for the long haul. Number one, probably. Oh, yeah, I mean, if gonna he have if to win, he does, which, one for which he might want to do. I mean, of course he wants that. It's just a question of how much he wants that and it's still a very real possibility you know 700 points yeah. Djokovic not playing until Paris maybe maybe until the ATP finals we'll see so so yeah actually there is a very good chance that he will get there i think
2: i think Djokovic will play paris and, and the atp and, and that'll be that'll be it but, um yeah Djokovic will... the,
3: you know the, that's what he said so far and then that's probably going to happen yeah
2: and yeah, and then
3: on the other side of the draw, so,
2: so Sinner and Runa, as you say, that could be a, either of those two would be a very tasty semi-final if they end up uh, playing against Alcaraz. Over on the other side of the draw, we've, get, we've got Medvedev, of course, who Alcaraz always wins, checks notes. Oh, oh, he doesn't always beat Medvedev. So that could be, um, could be another rematch of, of interest. Um, Medvedev, of course, uh, winning today very, very comfortably over Tommy Paul. Um, I mean that the, the score line took me by surprise. Um did it did the result take you by surprise at all, Vonch?
4: I was surprised that it was that one sided. Um but I kind of knew that it was he was gonna win it in straight. It, It's Like two and one though, yeah, I mean that's a beat like, up uh, Yeah. Some of the games I think were a little closer, but as the score suggests, but I um but like overall, yeah, there's just I, I don't really see many things Tommy Paul can really do unless he has an outrageous forehand day, which kind of seems to be like the thing with Tommy. is like whenever he has a really good forehand day, he seems to play his, the rest of his game is like pretty elite on the hardcore. Kind of all depends on the forehand.
2: I I had to leave Dimonor Murray at 5-2, I think it was. <laughs> I did, I That's did. I know, I know. I had to leave. I I, I was literally pushing it anyway, and it was like, okay, I'll, I'll see if he can if he can break serve here. And I think it was at deuce as well, so I don't think he had a match point on the diminor serve, um, but it was close. And there was a, there was a forehand I remember during that service game that that Murray put into the net that he really shouldn't have done. It was just sort of um, neutral rally, uh, but I still thought, well, whatever happens, he he'll be fine. Um, but he wasn't fine, Damien. He ended up losing. Am I right? Like, seven five in the third.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's actually quite interesting to board, see. Tie break.
2: Was it tiebreak? Yeah, break? Tie yeah, break, the, yeah tie there, break. there there was a
3: tiebreak. Um But yeah, I I think I said it like a couple of days ago on Twitter regarding a very different player. You know, not not an ATP tour guy, really. But um, sometimes you're the choker, and sometimes you're the Guy who receives a choke, and this happens even to Andy Mare. You know, at the beginning of the year, we had this ridiculous streak when Mare was winning all these matches against I don't know Lehechka in uh Doha, and also of course Kokinaki's Berettini. There was another match point saving, maybe yes, against yeah. Sonego. Ponego, yeah, that, 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 yeah, that 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 that's the one I wanted to say. And uh on the other hand, you also you're also gonna have matches which Mare chokes and this really happens to everyone, and then that's uh, in a way refreshing to to see that, and sort of for people to realize that. And also, it's it's kind of well, I don't know, if funny is uh, is the right word, but it's it's kind of amusing to see that um, Mare, even someone as good as Mare, and you know, someone with so many achievements, can actually have an opponent who sort of gets, you know, he he he, he gets under their skin a little bit and yeah. um yeah he clearly has a deminor problem part of it is the matchup for sure uh we um uh, we were recently sort of reminded because it was the labor cup of when uh people were trying to coach him how to beat deminor on the bench and like Murray was was uh, sort of um you know it, it was clear that he doesn't really have an idea how to play alex and this year they had these two matches on on natural surfaces on, on clay and on grass that were just not close at all. And of course, this one was still an improvement. But maybe these four losses, these four previous losses to Daminar and sort of always um, struggling to win points against him, Um, that that sort of started coming back at the end of the uh, third set. His forehand also got really wobbly. And yeah, it's it's just interesting to see that someone can have a 5-0 head-to-head against Andy Murray, because it, it would seem like it's pretty much impossible. I don't know if anyone else has it, really. Uh, I mean, maybe someone from, like, back in the day, but... I mean, I know that there was the comparison
2: that, that Vance uh, addressed on Twitter where um, I think it was Nadal, Federer and Djokovic have all won five matches in a row against Murray. And and now Dimanor uh, joins that. I, I forget which media outlet it was that tweeted that. But I think they were being a little bit facetious. But Vance was like, yeah, it's slightly different, uh, which is fair enough. But I, I by the way, I, I just shared this on the screen and I'm going to share it again. Uh, right now, you mentioned Lahetska, you mentioned Sonigo, you mentioned Berrettini and Kokinakis, All these amazing, dramatic victories, where the opponent was either up or had match points, or both. You know, sometimes two sets to love, and and a, and I think a break with Kokinakis is, is is example. But he's in. Those are all in the sandwich of two. Very painful defeats for Andy Murray, one of which I'm sharing on the screen right now from just under a year ago when Murray was serving for the match, I think in the second set, he was, yeah, it must have been the second set he was serving for it against Gilles Simon uh, and ends up going on to lose that uh, particular encounter. And now, of course, against Dimonor. But as you say, I think Dimonor probably has his number. Uh, any final comments on on that Dimonor-Murray scenario Vonch?
4: Well, what I'll say is that it's, yeah, it's just a nightmare matchup for him playing someone 12 years younger who essentially is the same kind of player, counter puncher, moves really well, relies on his anticipation and defense, you know, court craft. So it's like Murray kind of has to outmaneuver him playing the kind of game that he's naturally been used to and now he has to like pretty much just step out, step out of his comfort zone. Like this isn't a match he would be losing in his prime, but it's just that he has a big disadvantage when it comes to this and
2: I thought, you know, I thought he was just playing a bit more aggressively yesterday, Manny Murray, and I thought that may have been... (laughs) He has
3: to. Yeah, he has to against the minor. He
2: has to. And and then it was more or less.
3: Yeah.
4: In the big moments, the forehand that he was missing...
3: Has to come out of the comfort zone, and then the big moment comes, and there's a crack, Uh, at least sometimes, you know. <laughs> I
4: think there was also just a carryover effect from his frustration way too long, because I mean, normally the difference between him and they both left the
2: frustration You're breaking up, Monge. Yeah,
3: still. Still breaking still <laughs> up.
2: But I think what he what he said what he said, said Damian was that Andy Murray was shockingly bad for the last two or three games. I think that's you, what he said. You I managed to get
3: you managed to get that out of this. I, <laughs> no, I, I was I not, not able to understand. I'm, I'm purely Murray. guessing.
2: I'm purely okay. guessing. I think he's just going to be. Tuned. Are you okay, Vonch? Some feedback coming from or maybe to describe it.
3: It's yeah. It's hard to describe it. Stuttering noise. Stuttering.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll just put Vance on on mute for a couple of seconds and then maybe uh, he might even rejoin us, perhaps. Oh, I put, what have I done? I put four. (laughs) That wasn't in the script. I wasn't supposed to do that. I was supposed to do this. I've just put you on mute for a couple of seconds, Vance. Hang on a second. Say one, two, three, Vonch. One, two, three. Ah, perfect. You're back. Uh, so yes. you, were, you were just explaining to us about Andy Murray's um, unfortunate loss anyway.
4: Yeah, I was just saying like the difference between him and Novak when they let out their emotions is, you know, Novak resets really quickly. Like he'll break a racket and just reset. And usually it's pretty quick. But with Andy, it kind of lingers. And I think we mm. saw how that negativity can affect him yesterday because even by his standards, he was way more negative than usual and it just started spiraling and spiraling you know a lot of just throwing the rackets, you know just like really 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 frustrated to where like it was like life or death and i just think it like just took over his entire psyche and you know in those big moments he got tentative it's like he just like because for him he's tired of the immoral wins he already got a moral victory against the boss against fritz he, he doesn't need that to feel validated like oh i'm close to these organs. Like he has to win because at this point it's all about winning because he's you know almost 37 and he doesn't really need to be doing this anymore unless he gets the wins so it's it's kind of a tough situation where like he's putting so much pressure on himself but he kind of has to because then, then otherwise you're, you're kind of thinking it and you're like what is really the point point? and in a way i think it's just probably more discouraging this one will sting a bit more than against Dimitrov at the u.s open because that one you can just be like okay well i wasn't really close you know whatever like second round i I wasn't good enough but this time he actually was good enough to win and he had the right that he did play more aggressive but you know in those big moments in the batch points apart from one ace the dividend or hit he just didn't couldn't get over the line so yeah psychologically it must be difficult
2: yeah um I, this is not me saying it's a definite so don't clip this and and, and replay it back to me Andy Maui fans but i, I think that this year's wimbledon was, was Last chance, I think he had it. Um, um, I think it's some feedback again, Vonch. I'm not sure. No, I think it's okay now. Wait, if Vonch doesn't move, we we're, we're good. <laughs> what it was before, by the way, it was like a popcorn sound, actually. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah,
3: Max, Max uses a good That's comparison good. there. Yeah, that
2: was how it sounded, yeah, yeah. But anyways, it sound it sounds fine now. At least Vonch has like putting himself on mute, but we'll bring you off, or you can bring yourself off mute when I when I redirect this question again to you, Vonch. Um, but in the meantime, um, yeah, Andy Mo for me it was. Uh, some Andy Murray fans and optimists are like, "Oh, but Sitsa Blast played amazing." Yeah, but the draw was there for Andy, I think, to get to the second week. And really, I think it is kind of Wimbledon or bust, probably, unless we have sort of some more miracles like we saw in Mer- Melbourne, maybe at the beginning of the year. But eventually, that's not that's not sustainable. Um, but that doesn't mean that I, I think Andy Moshe should be retiring or anything like that. I think he could have a great Davis Cup and maybe even win a tournament or two before his career and maybe still reach a second week of a slam. But I, I just wonder if that ship may well have sailed. Um, Nicholas Jarry, by the way, unbelievable win. Or should I actually, that, maybe I'm getting carried away. Maybe I'm being too optimistic about pass and too negative about Jarry by saying that. Maybe, maybe it's a predictable win, Damien. actually.
3: I wouldn't go as far as say predictable, but you know, Tsitsipas had been struggling the past few weeks. Uh, Also, like big servers generally don't match up very well against him, uh, Jari included. Um, He has just only beaten him twice on grass, but you know, it's not like that's Jari's best surface either. Basically, he's only lost to him in like super slow Monte Carlo, Los Cabos conditions. And uh, yeah, it was just another one of these matches where the lack of. backhand well can you really say that i mean the lack of a slice the lack of any way to like soak up the pressure of the jari serve, and also jari in the rallies as well jari going to the net because that's something he also loves to do and yeah just approach to that Sitsipas backhand nothing can hurt you that's that that's basically it and um yeah i i just think it was another one of these matches and there it really felt like there was nothing that Tsitsipas could do on the match point by the way which I know people pointed out on Twitter and it was pretty insane. I think it really uh, serves as a as a wrong image of the entire match because in that match point on in that very point Tsitsipas hits like a few defensive slices that are actually pretty decent and and that was not the case the whole match you know. Okay. And of course especially glaring is that um like whenever there's a pressure point on the Jari serve you can just slam a serve into that C-C pass backhand, and most of the time it's not going to work out. I think one of the breaks, uh, there was um, a block return that he missed, classic, but there was also one uh, break point on the Jari serve that C-C pass will really regret because he actually uh, had to hit a second serve return and he managed to run around it and hit with the forehand. So exactly what he wants to do. But, but yeah, anyway, just, just another one of these matches where a big server comes in, plays C-C pass and uh the backhand does not hold up especially as the, the courts seem to be pretty quick as well in uh in beijing even the but even those slices you mentioned yeah
2: they had good depth but yeah but and that 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 but what you also want from a slice is a nice low net clearance with a nice low bounce and they didn't maybe they're, they're never going to have that maybe and 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 yeah, but, I know but what if mean. he it played his
3: slice like this, if he played this slice like this, it would be like a completely fine shot. It wouldn't sure. be an issue, and it will actually give him some sort of a way of, to reset points uh, yeah. from that wing, which he doesn't have. But yeah, the, the match point, he was actually okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was a good match point, a very good one, and I've seen it on Twitter a couple of times already. Um, but good win there for Jarry as well, who I think is having a Pretty good year. Um, Anything else? Rublev Evans. Evans. um, No, sorry. Rublev Nori. Uh, Three sets. Nori winning the first set, uh, to my surprise, actually. But um, ultimately, uh, Rublev uh, proving too strong. Evans. Who did he play? Yannick Sinner. No, no. Uh, who did he play? Yannick Sinner, right? And that was three sets, two, I think. Um, am I right on that? Evans maybe winning the first as well?
3: Yes, uh, I think it was maybe the second that Evans won. Sinner fell or something like that. I didn't watch it. But, oh, um, yes.
2: There's been a bit of controversy about. Yeah, um, he was Evans, struggling. Uh, mimicking Sinners. Uh, injury, and apparently he's also done that before, which is rather unfortunate or unsavory. Uh, Keen, by the way, also talked about Casper's chances of winning another ATP title, not on clay. I don't think that's the biggest shout of all time, Keen. I don't know how many tournaments Keen uh, uh, that Casper's uh, won off clay. I would suggest. I, I,
3: I, yeah, I was actually thinking about that, and I couldn't remember a single one. But apparently, Van's will remember what he won on on, uh, on. What's, what's off won? clay
2: play Vant
4: 2021
3: San Diego, yeah that, that's why I said that Punch will uh, we'll uh, okay you San Diego okay good one I, I would have never remembered that I mean right now no. just looking at who he played in the final yeah yeah sure I remember some matches from that event but but no no I, I would have never guessed it and actually I was struggling to come up with it but yeah he has just won
2: Keen is also mentioning Ayeni uh, because that I think is the player that uh, has uh, mentioned on Twitter today that uh, Daniel Evans or Dan Evans has form regarding this uh, sort of uh, mimicking a yeah. uh, limb. I from actually, know club.
4: Ayeni really well because
2: we went to the same high school. So, oh, do you you and Ayeni went to the same high school?
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: Nice guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. He actually used to. I. I
4: I don't remember him being in school very often because he was always traveling and playing tournaments Yeah, all across the country, all across the world, basically. But he was, for
3: example, Aptos 2018.
4: Yeah, he was, he was playing doubles with Six of Us a lot and he was, you know, he was, he, now he goes to the University of Kentucky and has gone for a master's degree and still was a pretty decent player, like so. Oh. I think he's it.
3: finished it, right? Um, because he only went there for the fifth year? Yeah. Oh, before yeah, so that, I forget
4: where he went finished. before this.
3: But. Cornell. Cornell, Cornell. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, I know he's Kentucky it's a, for the fifth year. Yeah,
2: I know he's a professional tennis player. But when Vanche began that little uh, little thing by saying, um, "Well, I didn't see him much at school; he wasn't there very often," I started to think about people that I went to school with that I didn't see them there very often. But it wasn't because they were playing professional <laughs> tennis. <laughs> and I thought, okay, here we go. We're gonna. I think, another... I think
3: for some people, I was that sort of person as well. And that was not because I played tennis professionally. <laughs> my, I, I,
2: my my worst. Well, my worst moment was sort of sixteen to eighteen. in uh, in that it's actually by law of course you have to go to school before 16 i don't know how loose or strict they are in in poland but uh but yes i think yeah 16 to 18 was more optional but still yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's
3: the exact same system yeah. yeah
2: Uh, but I wasn't always present uh, at that age. But anyway, um, that's a different topic that's not tennis-related. Let's stick to the tennis. Are there any more uh, talking points, Vonch, from from the... I mean, you could mention Astana as well, if there's anything in Astana. Yes, go to
3: Astana, go to Astana. Um,
2: I will come to you in a second for Astana, Damien. So if there's anything else more from from Beijing um, or even earlier this week with Ruzvedev winning that title or any other men's stories this week, um, Vansh? Mm, in terms of Beijing, I
4: think...
2: I think we covered it. That, I that saw Umber on like... Umber on the list. I have no idea uh, who he beat to get there, I have to say. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to play Roblox again. So
4: that would be... Interesting, I guess. I mean, there was this one point that Bear was like seven and five against top ten, but I know he's lost his last three. So, we'll see. I mean, he, he had this thing going where he was just peeking against the very best and then kind of not so much against the rest. Um,
2: Keen, Keen. I do hope you've seen the doubles uh, review that uh, I did with the doubles guys um uh, regarding the US Open. But uh, I have to say, I, I tell you what, Keen. I'll, I'll consider it. When you spell Astana right. Okay, Keen, that's what that's. I'll, I'll consider it uh, at that point. Uh, in the meantime, Damien, Actually, I think. One,
4: one thing that I realized, well, this is related to Andy Murray. I feel like most of his chokes, if you want to call it that, like, or matches he should have won, have uh-huh. come with the Paris Masters. Because you mentioned You're the fine. one against Simone, but there's also the one against Cooper, Kepfer in the 2021 match. I think he had seven match points. And then there's also the Yerzyanovich one where he had a match point in 2012. And then, yeah, that was that weird was because I'm randomly now remembering he had match points in three consecutive tournaments after the US Open against the Roundwich in Tokyo. And then obviously the Djokovic one in Shanghai where he had those five championship points. And,
3: and then he, on the other hand, you have five match points against Tommy Robredo and then five yeah, match points exactly. against Tommy Robredo again mm-hmm. also towards the end of the year. Yeah,
4: these things just happen in bunches with him.
3: It's interesting. Astana, Damien, what can you tell us? Uh, I'm honestly surprised why Keane wants us to mention the Astana doubles so much, because I'm looking at this draw and <laughs> I'm like... I don't yeah. think he does. I don't know. I think, yeah.
2: it, there was something about, he wanted me to, to say something about Dan Evans as well earlier. And and, and I get it. it. It does seem a bit unsavory what Dan did, but I, I think he's just, I think he's having a laugh. I think he's probably had a couple of drinks as well, but that's purely a guess because of that. People, uh, <laughs> Friday night. Yeah, possibly. possibly. Night. And King, by the way, um, normally I would have a few beers, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. So I'm going to keep them powder dry tonight. Um, there's another Polish message <laughs> as well coming in for you, Damien.
3: He says my spelling is better in Polish. And <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, um, when it comes to the singles in Astana, I am definitely extremely excited by Majedovic getting to the quarters again. After uh, Ksztat, yeah, of course, he's Just going to ask, going to win the title? <laughs> um, well, Hedgkai is a pretty tough quarterfinal opponent. But yeah. after that, I think it would really open up. And also, this is uh, basically the first time that we've seen a run of this sort of quality for Medjedovic outside of clay, I would say. I mean, he qualified for Wimbledon, but then lost to O'Connell. And like he's won a challenger on hard before. Actually, he's basically on a seven-match winning streak right now because of that challenger. But it was always like a bit of an assumption that at some point, you know, despite the sloppy footwork, He's gonna like the weaponry is just gonna be too much. He's gonna be great on hard as well, and I think this Astana court, which is like slow but still indoors and also actually quite low bouncing, I think it's really good for him. And maybe not necessarily the low bounce, but the slow but indoor combination. And yeah, I I think he has an actual real shot at winning the title if he can beat Lahetchka, which would be very exciting. Uh, still possibly a top 100 breakout this year. And I really want him to get to the top 100 this year because he was one of these like very bold picks of mine, you know, in terms of getting to the top 100. Like these guys were, everyone was like, no, no, definitely not in 2023 yet. So I really want to be right with this one. So (laughs) Hamad, Hamad, you've got like two months left. So please do it. Uh, It could be with a title in Astana. As a matter of fact, I think it would also be possible with a final in Astana cool uh fingers
4: crossed do you think, do you think Djokovic will keep on funding his career if uh, he gets all the way to like
3: you know
4: 50 40 <laughs> yeah is he gonna be like you know I helped
3: you enough I'm good now at some point it's possible that you know it's not just not gonna make sense right because he's just gonna have enough money by himself he's also uh, in Astana he's with Tro- Troitsky, who's also like one of the I don't know is he one of the coaches in the Djokovic Academy I think I would think so right So um, I don't know how exactly that works uh, at this point. But, yeah, I would assume that if he's, like, in the top 20, then there's no point in financing (laughs) him anymore, right? Uh, But, obviously, um, I I don't know how much Djokovic actually, like, well, he definitely had to know of Hamad and had to, like, know his game. But, yeah, that was a very good pick, (laughs) obviously. Uh, I think um, from maybe when he was, uh, yeah, still playing juniors and, like, getting these Belgrade wildcards or something it was clear that he and Topo have a lot of potential, but then you have Topo right now, you have Majerovic right now. So, well, Topo went, went to play for Germany, of course, like in the past couple of years, but, but like, yeah, still Djokovic made a very, a very good call with that, I think.
2: I think there's one story, but it's a very, very, very brief story. Um, But it is to just say that, that Karolina Pliskova has ended her tennis season today. Um, I can't remember the exact reason was it a wrist injury um
3: wrist yeah wrist because someone was comparing it to Zizou breaks on my timeline I'm not sure what the exact argument was but the I think he was like maybe um even annoyed at the fact that Piszkova is en- ending her season whereas Zizou when he hadn't an, had an injured wrist he keep, kept playing without a backhand basically slicing uh only so um so i guess um yeah someone just doesn't didn't really get that you know wrist injuries and injuries in general are very individual
2: they are but there does does seem to be a hot topic in in tennis at the moment obviously with zizu yeah. and i remember I think both Tsitsipas and maybe Medvedev have mentioned it earlier this season. Unusual for them to be on the same page about anything, but maybe they are on this one. Um, But yes, so there we go. So it does seem to be a hot topic and one that we can revisit. But as a, as a person who's never played professional tennis, it's quite difficult for me to explain, but there was something I think from Bergs as well about playing different balls at different tournaments. But I don't think that's ever going to change just because too many, too many dollar signs and too many sponsorship agreements and, And all the rest of it and too many competitors i don't don't see it being a a situation like
3: in formula one or something like that where all the teams will weather you know it it could um if like the whole tour had one ball right if there was just i don't know the atp tour signs a contract with one manufacturer maybe that's possible but i don't know yeah as you said i mean that i think right now it's sort of more individual for the tournaments and probably some have contracts until 2027 and some have until 2032 so how do you even this out yeah it's it's rough but in the ideal world i would love that yeah just the same ball every week why why are we changing that
2: yeah right All right, guys, um, I will let you guys get back to your afternoons in California and uh, post-midnights in uh, deepest, darkest Poland. Um, Yeah, Uh, I just got a message from Nick Carter. Sorry, I just got uh, distracted by that. Um, Anyway, um, also the net message from Nick Carter says, we won't have a Tokyo champion until sunday no we will have one tomorrow the finals to oh sugar no it's semi-finals tomorrow yeah Ugh, good of me to end on a mistake anyway given how confused i was at the beginning yeah. of the show
3: ningbo final on, on, on saturday right yes, beijing on on saturday, um, saturday, yeah, yeah nick, tokyo nick. on sunday yeah right now i confused beijing, beijing with tokyo yeah let's let's just wrap it up
2: yeah nick one <laughs> john zero uh guys uh Vance, thanks for stopping by
4: yeah, it was
2: fun. Thanks for having me. And uh, a big, big, big chenkuya, uh as well, uh, Damien, I don't know how my Polish accent was there. I'm not. It might even be in a Japanese accent. To, uh,
3: I don't know. Honestly, I cannot really judge it. I mean, I would is how I would say it, or jenki for short. Uh, oh, the... Janky is that like? Jenky. A, if yeah, Janky. Um, I, I bet it's like thanks, know... right? I mean, it's like yeah, thank like you, thanks. thanks. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what Jake. I mean. Then
2: you, then you sort of become more hip and cool. And, yeah. Oh, he he uh, speaks average really well.
3: Wow. <laughs> no, and then you um, uh, yeah. Possibly. Yeah. But yeah, again, thank you guys. And thank you. Thanks to uh, people in the chat as well.
2: Cool. And Tennis World, you know the drill. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. And click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino
0: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky?